tell people, you know, you, you just have to persist. Persistence is the name of the game and keep believing that the right part will come. Welcome to Brave Bold Brilliant Podcast. I'm here today with very exciting guests. It's the wonderful Sonia Satra, who is a very well-renowned actress, but also founder and CEO of Motorsize, all the way over from New York. Nice to see you, Sonia. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Fantastic. And we were actually saying we're wearing the same colour. We're, we're both in sort of orange I know, we got today. the memo. We're right on. <laughs> It's Orange Day, if you're wondering. Absolutely. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you will see that we are in orange. If you're listening to this on the podcast, then you know that we're very colourful on screen. <laughs> Fantastic. So Sonia, we're gonna we're gonna you know discuss all about your journey, what you've covered in this fabulous life that you've had. Um, but can we start way back when? Because you're the youngest of three, aren't you? And I'm also the youngest of three. So I was reading that and I thought we have some things in common. But what I would say is my parents were both British, whereas your mum was Norwegian, right? And your dad yes. Austrian. Interesting yes. combination. So Tell me a little bit about the early years growing up and, and kind of, you know, be one of three and born to born to, you know, your lovely parents. Yeah. So um, I think it's great being the youngest, actually. <laughs> you get away with a whole lot more <laughs> by the time you get. And all I know is mom, I have two. But if I had a third, I get why it's like, yeah, just go ahead. You're fine. <laughs> um, but uh, I yeah, my mom is a uh, Norwegian. My dad was Austrian. They're very uh, academic. My mom's a history professor and my dad was an economics professor. Uh, and he, both really smart, very, uh, they could both speak many languages fluently. Um, and we grew, but we grew up in New Jersey, um, in a suburb of New Jersey. Most people in America, like, don't admit they're from New Jersey, <laughs> but it's a beautiful state. Um and it, it was a, you know, lovely upbringing. My dad actually uh, left when I was pretty much born. So I was mostly raised by my mom. So it was a very female family. Uh, but I was close to my sisters. Uh, and, you know, a Norwegian mother, she's very much about you've got to get outdoors, you've got to get active. So uh, we weren't sitting around. In fact, we didn't even have a TV until I was about eight. And then it was even a little controlled. So my husband always jokes. He's like, I don't know how you ever became an actress. You know nothing about pop culture. <laughs> and in some ways, it's true. I did not grow up you know, watching television a lot. We were doing much more crafty things or active things and uh, music. I learned to play the flute, taught myself guitar. And so uh, it was, but it was a great. And actually when I was in fourth grade, I moved to England of all places, Botley Oxford. <laughs> wow. I had a sabbatical. And so we, we moved to England for a year and uh, that was a really great experience. Wow, fantastic. So it sounds like your mum was a very, a very, or is a very strong character. Um, yeah. And, uh, and obviously, you know, being led by, by a real, a real strong woman. 
how has that helped you, do you think, Sonia, um, you know, in, in, in your acting life, but also in, you know, the broader things that you're doing, you're doing now as well? Did that did that influence you in any way, do you think? I, I do think so. I, uh, you know, I think it even started with my grandmother, who was always pushing the boundaries. And obviously, you know, over the generations, our boundaries have expanded significantly. But she actually, my grandfather was a minister. And so she was the minister, my grandmother was the minister's wife and a lot of rules around that. Uh, and she was always kind of pushing the boundaries. My mom talks about how uh, they were asked, like, can you play cards or can you dance or listen to music? And, you know, my, my grandmother definitely broke those rules. And even there were some lines out on a uh, pavement and she thought this would make a great tennis court so she made a tennis court outside for the neighborhood and all of that was just a little bit unusual and I think my mom sort of took a little bit of that sort of pushing the boundaries she's a big adventurer and traveler and so even though we didn't grow up with a lot of money we we always seemed to travel uh and and it was always uh, you know, youth hostels or whatever, or if the locals can do it, we can do it. So I feel like I, I was exposed to a lot of different cultures and a lot of uh, different experiences over the years. And I, and even though my mom was a professor, so she wasn't necessarily entrepreneurial. So I didn't have that kind of strong mom in that way. She definitely was a strong woman and she was really, really supportive of going for whatever you wanted to do. And that absolutely made the difference. I don't think I would have gone down the path that I did if I didn't have that support. Yeah, fantastic. And you know, when you when you got into acting, did you always know that that was where you were going to go? Because you you studied communications, right? You got your you got your degree in communications. Uh, and I guess a related, you know, good topic um, to, to go into <laughs> acting. Um, but nonetheless, did you did you know quite early on that you were going to you wanted to go down the acting world or, or with, did that kind of evolve um, at a later stage? No, that that uh, it was not one of I was not one of those child actors. You know, as I look back, I did act in the school plays and I often did get bigger parts. Uh, but I think that was because I was a good student and I was well behaved and I could memorize lines, <laughs> which did become helpful when I got on the soap. Uh, but it wasn't as if, oh, that's my dream. That's what professor, my oldest sister ended up going to med school. My other sister went to engineering school. So it was not like entertainment was in the family or in the blood. Um, but I, I definitely was interested and. When I was 16, my mom and I were playing tennis and uh, there was a local photographer who saw me play and he just asked if I would be interested in doing a local hair ad for a, a local hairdresser for free in exchange for, you know, some free product. But at 16, I was like, cool, like nice shampoos and stuff, I'll do it. And that was really a big opening for me because that was so fun. And I thought when I got to college, well, maybe I could do a little modeling. I was waiting tables and working in the dining hall and doing all those things that students have to do to earn money. But I thought maybe I could do some modeling to earn money too. 
but again, didn't have any contacts, had no idea how to pursue it. So at the time I looked in, it, we didn't have the internet. So it was the uh, help wanted in the New York times, <laughs> not a great place to look for models wanted every scam in the book. It's kind of like an internet search these days. And I landed on one of those scams and my mom, you know, again, we'll see what this is all about, went in with me and it was, give us $10,000, we'll make you a star kind of a deal. We didn't have that. And uh, she knew that that was not something that was on the up and up. Uh, but through that, through a friend of a friend of a friend that worked at a Spanish news station, I got connected to my first agent. And I went in there with my little rudimentary portfolio of photos. And they actually asked me to do a reading for a commercial. And I had watched enough commercials, but not a lot, but I was able to do it. And they were like, that was great. You know, would you be interested in going out for commercial auditions? Never had any idea. You know, I, I just couldn't even imagine that I would be doing that, but I was like, sure. And I really had beginner's luck. So I went out on my very first commercial audition and I booked it. And I just happened to be the right look with the right personality for the right commercials at the right time. It just, I became the counter girl queen. I did all of the fast food. So I did Burger King and Wendy's, McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Pizza Hut, Burger Heaven, you know, all of them. And, uh, and so I really found a sweet spot. But that was the first time that acting had really entered into kind of my vortex of possibility. So at school, even though I was a communications major, I took some acting classes. Uh, they actually had a really good acting program at my university, but it was a whole different uh, application process and, and not that easy to get into. And I wasn't even sure I was going to do it. So I just took classes and then I started to take classes in the city. And my agent then sent me out on a soap opera audition, which did happen to be Guiding Light, but I didn't get it that time, but I got to the screen test, which is the final stage. So I had two or three auditions before it gets boiled down to four people and you go into the studio, they make you up, you have your lines, you're matched up with the person that they're looking for you to work with. And you do a scene as if you were doing it on television. And from that, all of the contract is negotiated. So in your head, you already know what you could be earning if you get this. <laughs> so it's a pretty high pressure situation. Um, but I didn't get that one, but it definitely also, that was like the next big opening of maybe this is something I could actually do. And uh, my sister at the time had an, after I finished school, she was working as an engineer in California. And so I thought, hey, I'll go out there and check it out. So I drove my beat up car across country. I had like $500 to my name. <laughs> and there I was in Hollywood. I uh, had no idea what I was in for. Because up until now, I was in school. I was kind of booking commercials here and there. It was fun. And now all of a sudden this was real life and it was a business. Uh, so it paved the way very much to what I do now because I 
learned very quickly. You get rejected a lot uh, when you're auditioning and it's your livelihood. Uh, and so mindset became super, super important. And I studied that probably as much as I studied acting. Uh, and that yeah. became my love and entryway into mindset. Fantastic. So, you know, it, it's an interesting path, isn't it, that you've taken, hey. you know, you had, you, you had a good start, you know, you, you like you say, right place, right time, right image, etc. To, to kind of get you going. Um, I don't, do you believe in luck? You know, over the years, I, uh, I've i really started to wonder if there is a little fate, you know, if there's a little bit of, you know, destiny programmed into our path. Uh, and I believe you can create your own luck. But those certain situations really did feel much more destined. I, I mean, the the randomness of being seen on a tennis court, right? And the kind of randomness of the very first audition turning into a screen test, uh, it, Betty Ray was her name, but she was the casting director of Guiding Light, which at the time had been the longest running show in television history because it started as a 15 minute radio show and progressed into an hour television show. And she had been casting that for, oh gosh, easily 40, 50 years. So, you know, when I walked in the room, she was looking at my <laughs> blank resume and, you know, I auditioned, she's like, I how can you do this? Like you have nothing, you have no, relatively no training and no experience. So again, I sort of got her blessing almost, which meant a lot in that industry. And it meant a lot to me because it made me realize maybe it was something I should look at. So yeah, those are times when I think, hmm, maybe there is a, a, a larger picture for us all. And if we have the courage and the bravery and the boldness to walk down those paths when they're open for us, that, uh, that, that can definitely change the trajectory of our lives. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you're obviously really big into mindset. Um, and, and I, I also think that we, I'm a big believer that yes, fate can play, uh, it, its role, but, I also think we we um, put ourselves out to the world and we attract to us. Um, so when everyone says, oh, it's all right for you, you're so lucky, everything just seems to fall into place. No, no, no. <laughs> Actually, totally. you know, as you say, you know, lots of rejection. We can talk about Hollywood and the pressure and, and all of that. But you did end up, obviously, on Guiding Light. <laughs> you did. So, you know, first trial... Maybe that maybe it wasn't quite right then, obviously, at the time, but then you did end up on the show, right? For how many years were you on, on, on Guiding Light? Almost five. It was a foreign change. So, yeah. And I could have stayed, uh, but I decided that if there was another character out there I should play, maybe I should go try it. So I made the very, very hard decision of leaving a really amazing job, uh, which was another big shift sort of in my life, I think. Um, but yes, and even to get that second chance, I screen tested eight times before I booked that. And so I, I always tell people, you know, you, you just have to persist. Persistence is the name of the game and keep believing that the right part will come. And when I compare the two parts that I auditioned for, uh, I was 
definitely more right for Lucy than I was for the Mindy role that I did not get, you know, way off. And actually funny, my room, we had little rooms um, on Guiding Light, our dressing rooms, and I shared with Mindy. <laughs> and so we used to laugh about it. Like I could have had your part, but, but she was definitely, that was her part. Like she was perfect for that part. And I think Lucy was mine you know I, there were six thousand actresses that auditioned for that role that's not even including all the people who submitted sometimes i think also you know a little random but i know when i got that audition i did have a different feeling about it i i was like i just know this part you know and i had been coaching actually on a different audition. And my coach was like, would you like to go over this? Cause I was going back for a second audition. I was like, no, I got this one. Like I didn't want anybody to mess with it. <laughs> so to, to your point, you know, I think we do, I do believe my seventh grade teacher said to me, you create your own luck. And, uh, I, I do believe we do. And the more I know about mindset and frequency and energy, I really do believe we have a tremendous capacity to, uh, attract what we want. Um, when I look at things that I didn't even know I want that I got, that's when I'm like, Hmm, well, let's, can't quite explain that one. But once you go down the road, I think you absolutely have a play in your destiny. Yeah, and, and Sonia, you've been in some incredible shows, you know, American Genius, and um, you've been the, the Men Who Built America, right? Um, yeah. And Hugh Hefner, um, amazing show on, on Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. You've done and many, many more, um, you know, kind of acting roles that you've had. Which Are there any standout ones for you? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's very difficult to pick where you say, you know, oh, that was, you know, that was really you know, the pinnacle for me of, of acting and I really enjoyed it the most or any, any kind of standout roles from all the various, various ones that you've done. Wow. So it's funny you brought up the, the Hugh Hefner, uh, the Playboy one, because I played Gloria Steinem and what a epic, you know, character and, and dynamic and incredible incredible role model for women. And uh, so it was pretty extraordinary to be able to play that part. So that one, I think just from uh, uh, really wanting to, to honor it with its full capacity definitely stood out for me. Lucy on Guiding Light will always have a, a sweet spot because it was my first big role. Yeah, I had done some things before then, but that was the first one. And I played it for so many years and and it, it was a big career opener. And so I, I will always love her. She had so many crazy experiences. <laughs> I got to test the limits of her, test the, you know, my capacity with that. Um but I also did a play that was a little bit sort of more under undercover, but it was called Vanities. It used to be on Off-Broadway. It was a, one of the longest running Off-Broadway shows. I didn't do it Off-Broadway, but I did it traveling. Uh, and I it was a three-woman show. And I loved that. That was a really standout character for me, too, because you get on stage and you do everything once you go out on stage you do your hair and your makeup 
on stage in front of the vanities and then you'd go behind the vanity to change and then you'd come back and you'd go in and in between each act there were three you would do that same process and so there was just and I had such a funny um character who sort of becomes a bit of an alcoholic at the end and I'm just like rambling but it's it was very comedic and 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 really fun 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 to do and so uh that role also kind of stands out for me because it was a little different than some of the other characters that I usually got cast at. Mm, yeah, and, and I guess a, a live performance on, on stage in front of a live audience, very different than pre-recorded um, in the studio, presumably. And how did you have to sort of, a, did you have to adapt your 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 style, your approach to getting in state? You know, I'd imagine the process is quite different if you're doing a live kind of acting role rather than a pre-recorded absolutely and the very <laughs> first time I think it's the most nauseous I remember some great actor who said that they got sick every time they went on stage and I felt like that this time because I had about two and a half three weeks because there was a last minute pull out of an actress and so I got kind of thrown into the role and Thank goodness for my you know soap opera being able to memorize lines but in a three act play with three women, there are significantly more lines. And with comedy, unlike soaps, you kind of need to be on point. You know, I think with soap operas, there was a little liberty. You didn't have to be word perfect. You had to basically say the line so someone knew what the heck they were doing in the scene with you. But um, there was a little bit more leeway. Where with plays, not so much. So um, the exactness was uh, something that you had to adapt for. And yeah, I mean, I learned early on with soap operas, if it was going awry, Sometimes because of the pacing of soaps, they didn't stop. But if you really felt like this is just horrible, you kind of learn some tricks like swearing in the middle of a scene, like blah, 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 <laughs> because they couldn't air that. So they had to cut and then you get to a second chance um, and you can't do that live. <laughs> And well, maybe you could, but you'd get a response from the audience that might be a little bit different than what you were expecting. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first time I did that play uh, in that third act where I just talk nonstop and so many of the, the sections and the lines were similar but different you know there was one period where I just got so lost I could not remember where I was but I was you know drinking during the scene so I just kept drinking the champagne and I literally just started cracking up in the middle of it <laughs> point so the audience thought that was all part of it and they were laughing and the two actresses I could see their eyes are looking like what's going on here does she know where she's at is this part of it <laughs> but thank goodness um I worked with another soap opera actress Heather Tom who's brilliant and has a photographic memory and literally knew everybody's line. So at some point she was like, she has no idea where she is. I need to go in and save her. <laughs> so she got me on track. So I think those are the kinds of things that happen live that you don't have to deal with on, on camera. Uh, but it adds a different thrilling capacity, I guess, to it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and Sonia, you know, when you're in the public light like you have been for a, you know, a, a vast proportion of your of your time, how do you how do you reconcile 
the private Sonia with the public Sonia, you know, because the press can be brutal, right? Journalists can be, you know, they want to scoop, they want to sell papers, whatever, magazines. And, and you know, yes, you're, you're consciously putting yourself out to the world in a very public space of TV and, sh- and you know, theatre, etc. But then there's also your private life. How have you been able to manage that side of things? Right. Well, fortunately, I'm not like the royalty, right, in London, where they really are just on your tail every nanosecond of your life. So I'm not under that much of a microscope. Um, But I I do think that they're... I remember one of the first interviews that I gave um, on Guiding Light. I think I, I was very vulnerable and I shared a lot you know and then you see it in the in paper on on paper and I was like oh gosh you know and I started to worry what you know does it yeah I I felt badly because my family suddenly was involved right so it wasn't just me it was uh, everybody uh so I became more conscious about that like I had to be really careful more careful about (laughs) what I said about other people, you know, it was one thing if I wanted to reveal things about myself, it's another thing if you're revealing things about your own family. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think that's one of the adjustments that I made very early on is that I'm usually pretty open. Um, so because I'm ready to handle whatever comes at me, but I have to be really respectful that I don't do that. And when I had kids, I think that was also an important thing of, you know, be mindful that they have friends that see social media or see you speak about them or your family dynamics or any of those things. And even the best can be interpreted however people decide they want to interpret it. And so... Yeah, yeah, and, and and social media, you know, now is it, well, it's prolific. It's just part of our everyday life now. It's the norm, isn't it? But of course, back then, you know, a bit different. I didn't have that. I think it's much more difficult now. I really do because there's an expectation that that every part of your life is going to be there, um, and I and I don't, and I do, I do still struggle with that. I think that you know some of the younger actresses that are out there now. That is just a part of their life because they've grown up with it. They don't even think anything of it where I I had the ability to sort of decide what was going to go out and what wasn't. And so now when it's sort of expected to share even more, I sometimes still struggle with that. Mm, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, social media can be it's like anything. It can be used for great things and for good. And But there's another side as well, isn't there, that can can cause a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure, you know, body image. I think it's very difficult for young young women and young men, actually, in, in today's society. But that was that different in when you were when you were or when you are acting, Sonia, you know, the, the pressure to always look great, you know, be a certain dress size to, you know, all of that. Is that is that a really challenging part of being an actress as well? Always having to sort of, you know, look your best and you're incredibly glamorous, beautiful woman. Um, but that must come with 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 some some challenges as well. I definitely think so, um, for sure. And you know, I would I would say it's probably equal and different to what it is right now. I think now there is a huge push to have body acceptance and to there's been a whole movement around the plus sized woman. And 
um, body confidence, even though on social media, I agree. I think it still, you know, glorifies the mm-hmm. skinny fit uh, woman. And so it's still very prevalent, but back when I was working, it was very prevalent. There was no plus size. That wasn't really an option. <laughs> or if it was, you were automatically character actress and you better be funny. Um, and my type was much more of sort of leading lady or ingenue. And so look in fitness was very big. And my one of my first, um, when I, so I got into that, <laughs> what I thought was a modeling agency actually was a commercial agency. So I did actually go around to look for some other modeling agencies at the time. And I ended up at, at a pretty big one. And my first interview, they were like, yeah, lose 15 pounds and come back and see us. And I was not overweight and it did have an impact on me. And I did go, I, unfortunately, like many young women, I did uh, struggle with an eating disorder at that time. And that absolutely was a piece of it because I suddenly felt like I'm not worthy unless I'm, you know, 15 pounds thinner. And the whole, the screen puts 10 pounds on you. That is true. <laughs> I think actually HD is a little more, that, that defines more of your wrinkles, but, you know, actually gives you a little more grace on weight, but it, uh, it, it's still, it, it was a huge, huge part. And, and I know with the soap, there were times when, yeah, I just run out to grab, I lived in the city. So, you you know, you run out to grab a cup of coffee and you don't have your makeup and all the rest of that stuff on. And somebody recognized me and they're like, oh, you look so different, you know? And I was just like, I know what that means. Like, you don't look so glamorous right now. You look like you just rolled out of bed, which was true. <laughs> um, but there definitely was a bit of a judgment on that. So there was always this, you know, this thought of like, well, do I need to go put my makeup on to go out and get a cup of coffee or go to the gym? You know, and I think I was, I was always straddling a little bit of that because I I believe people should be people, right? We don't all wake up with a, you know, our hair perfectly quaffed. Right? <laughs> so, um, but that was something I, I, I did need to be mindful of. And I, and I think that the the stress to be thin at that time was, was very high. And I was surrounded by people who were very self-conscious about it and struggled immensely with it. And I think if you look back at that time, a lot of the actresses struggled with eating disorders as well. Yeah. Yeah. Did it, did it, did it take a long time for you to kind of get through that then Sonia in terms of you know eating disorder and, and feeling feeling good about yourself you know regardless of all the outside pressure you know was that a long process for you or, or did you have help that you know helped you get through it uh, you know uh, faster so for me I think I I actually started with eating disorder before I think it relapsed during that period of time, but I had actually had the worst of my eating disorder happened when I was younger. Um, and my sister was actually transformative because I, she, we were really, really close and she had come home from college and, you know, dragged me basically into the bathroom, put me on a scale and was just horrified. Cause it was like, 83 pounds or something. And she was like, what are you trying to kill yourself? You know, and it was just with such intensity and, um, 
just almost accusatory from this person that I loved and I admired and I was close to, and it almost shocked my system into, no, that was never, you know, my goal. I like, I never even really correlated that that's what I was doing. So I think that helped me get out of the worst of the physical manifestation of it, but the mental side of it, I, I struggle the, the, just the con, con the constant, thinking about it, the obsessing over it lasted for many more years. And once I got in front of the camera, it was re-aggravated because everybody was obsessing over it. <laughs> so it became very hard to, to not think about it. But I also think that that was uh, a big part of why I did get into health and wellness too, because I realized that that wasn't the right path and that wasn't healthy. And my way out was, all right, I don't want to die. And I don't want this to be the only thought that I have in life. And I do want to be healthy. So how can I look good and be healthy? And so I learned a lot about nutrition and, and wellness and fitness and, and mindset. You know, I think eating disorders are an, the, bad side, but an extraordinary example of the power of the mind, how we can get something and distort it so incredibly powerfully is uh, kind of unbelievable. And I'll often look back to that of, wow, if you could use that power for good, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> you know. And I believe you can. And now as a coach, I have coached people who've had disorders and, um, I, I, you know, it's really rewarding to see that transformation when they finally start to get out of that obsession and focus because there's so much that they have to offer that when they can see that um, and go down that path instead of just worrying about their size, uh, that really, that's meaningful to me. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, you obviously had your ex personal lived experience of it the painful pain associated with that the anxiety i mean the emotions around all of that that you've just described and thank you for sharing because you know i think when when we share our true authentic right. journeys it, it helps others in in such a meaningful way and um you know people sometimes judge don't they 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 look at look at someone's life and they say oh Sonia amazing acting career gorgeous everything's wonderful two lovely children the perfect husband living in you you know but they don't know the pain and the suffering and the anxiety and the challenges that you found along the way. And I think if we can share that in, in a, in a real way, you know, and that's what I like to do with this podcast because it helps people. And, and that's for me is what it's all about. You know, it's the main thing to, to, yeah. to help be their best version. And, and Sonia, so, so obviously what you're doing now with, with, um with motor size um, and you really are, you know, that, like you say, the fitness, the mindset, helping people overcome some similar challenges that you may have had or different challenges that they're working with. How do you how does that work? Is it one to one, Sonia, that you mainly work with people? Do you work with groups? Because I think it would be really helpful for people to know how they can engage with you um, in that space, as well as obviously, you know, understanding about your acting um, kind of side of things as well. Sure. 
Uh, I do. I, I, I do both. Um, I do one-on-one and I also do some group programs. I have a a group program starting in January um, and I'm going to be starting some ongoing Modisize classes as well. Modisize is a a portion of what I do and, and it, uh, it really has a tremendous impact on people who, when they do it, it's kind of incredible what you what comes up during like a movement and mindset kind of class. Uh, So I always try to integrate it. And I think part of the acting, you know, again, destiny, right? So all of that mindset training, but acting is all about mind body, right? Because you have to embody a character. And so all of my acting training was so much about embodiment of somebody else. And I was fascinated with that even more so in how can we embody our best self. And so, you know, if you can create a character and embody a character, how can you create the best version of you? And, uh, and I think that's really what my practice is all about. And so even the regular coaching that I do often will, I will get people up and and walk them around in different kinds of exercises. I use a lot of NLP as well. And um and then this modicize really kind of came out of something that I did during my acting career that I then resurfaced as an as a new mom. <laughs> and then I I made into part of my business and it's now part of uh, it is the book uh that describes that process. Um so I that that I don't know if that answered that question. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, I you, know, you can do group, and there's sort of what I call straight coaching, and then there's the modus size. I always what I believe in is the mind, body, soul, and so how can we really look at your life and you, who you are, from a very holistic place? Because you can't just we're not talking heads, right? We have to move through our life literally and figuratively. And so I think how you hold yourself, how you, how you feel is a huge component of attracting and creating your own luck and, and how you're going to show up in what you do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole ecosystem is what I'm hearing, Sonia. You know, it's not just one thing. You know, it could be that someone wants to really work with you one to one. Fantastic. If they want to be part of a a group experience, you know, with others, then that's there. If it's the book that they want inspiration from, that's there. So it's really become a whole sort of ecosystem, hasn't it? With what you how you work with people, how you help them. Yeah, it, it it really has. It started one-on-one. And then I actually did something called these women's empowerment adventures uh, where I would do a workshop on a theme and then I would take people out to embody it in an adventure. So we did uh, like climb the wall of your life, you know, what's the, how to reach new heights. And then we would go and climb a rock wall or we would uh, trapeze and let go. And (laughs) so that was the beginning of really this idea of how can we physically embody what it is that we're trying to shift in our lives. And then Modisize took it to a much more literal, more accessible level because you can't always go out and do an adventure. And so this was more in a regular exercise routine. It started out as low train, a sort of low impact or high impact hit training that I had a seven step process 
too. It was a coaching series of coaching questions around a specific goal that you wanted to achieve that you would do while you were moving or exercising. And it, it did come from an experience I had in between soap operas. I, uh, after I left guiding light, I totally had the imposter syndrome. I was like, oh my goodness, what did I do? <laughs> Why did I just leave that really great job? I knew I wanted to try something else, but there's always that moment of that was a sweet deal. Like I should have just stayed. Um, and I really started to think that was that was a dumb thing. I'm never going to work again. That was a fluke. People are going to realize that I really don't know what I'm doing. Classic imposter syndrome. And I embodied it, you know, and it started to impact every area of my life. You know, I was hanging out with people who also thought they were never going to work. And I was drinking more and not taking care of myself as more as well. And uh, I would go into auditions already preconceiving that I wasn't going to get the job. And so even if I worked on it, it just, I already walked in. My body posture was off, like everything energetically was I'm not going to get this. And guess what? I didn't, <laughs> right? It was a year and a half later and I didn't, I hadn't worked. I hadn't gotten a single job and I was turtle sitting. <laughs> How glamorous is that? Um, trying to earn some extra cash. And I remember sitting, this person had a beautiful house and I was sitting on this bluff overlooking the ocean and I had one of those ahas and I was like, I used all of these mindset tools to create success as I'm now using to create failure. And, you know, I was using visualization and seeing myself on TV. Now I was seeing myself broke. I was asking powerful questions that would motivate work. Who could I reach out to? What can I do today? Now I was like, why won't anyone hire me? <laughs> My self-talk was very much in line. Well, somebody's made it. Why can't I? You know, now like, oh, I'm never going to work again. And even though I was taking action, the results were absolutely a direct correlation of the mindset I had. So to your point of, do you create your, your reality? Yes, you very much do. And that was that moment when I realized so distinctly I've created this and I needed to turn it around really fast. And so I decided I was going to run because I wanted to get back in shape. And I was going to, there was a Canyon in Santa Monica. So I would go every day and I'd run to the top of the mountain and I would visualize, I would ask myself these questions. I would do affirmations. And at the top, there was a bridge and I realized whatever I yelled would echo back because there was a canyon. And so I would yell out, you got the job. And I'd hear back, you got the job. <laughs> and then I would celebrate as if I had just gotten a job. And so I could embody that success that whole be do have. So I wanted to be the person who got the job. Then I was going to go do what I needed to do so that I could have it. And two weeks after I started this, I booked a national commercial. And then three months after that, I got the call to play Psycho Nurse Barbara <laughs> on One Life to Live. So it was a really powerful lesson that we absolutely positively can make a difference in how things turn out. And our mindset is 
everything. Uh, and so really if, and I often say to people, you feel what you focus on. So if you're feeling really badly, take a look at what you're focusing on. What questions are you asking? What are you saying to yourself? What are you visualizing? And how might you shift that to something that will really work for you instead of against you? Because you'll probably attract whichever one you're spending the most amount of time on. Uh, and then, you know, flash forward many years and I was a mom, young mom with two kids and I was running to the gym. I wasn't doing the mindset stuff as much. I just started coaching and I knew it was valuable. I knew I needed it. And, but I was a new mom and doing, trying to do everything and didn't have time and heard that before. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if I could just do it while I'm here on my treadmill or do my workout, It'd be really efficient. And just at that time, all of the research was exploding around the brain and exercise. And we were learning that the incredible impact that exercise has on really every system in your body uh, and your brain being one of them. And, it, you know, besides the neurogenesis, you're growing new brain cells. You can also, when you stink it up with emotion and, you know, powerful thoughts, you can start to pave the way for new neural pathways. Uh, and that's what we create when we create new habits. And so, that's an important time. You're much more creative. You're much more focused. You make better decisions. Uh, it actually taps the um, the courage and confidence part, the motivation part of your brain as well. And of course, you have the support of all the endorphins and the good feeling serotonin and dopamine. So it's it's kind of a powerhouse of an opportunity to really allow yourself to create. And so I sort of took all of what exercise had to offer and used it as a mechanism to create success in your own life and added in the questions. Let's make it intentional. Let's guide you through something so that you can tap your creativity, your body intelligence, or that inner knowing that does have the answers, but that we cloud with all of our, our monkey minds, you know, that tells us we can't do it, or it's too hard, or it's too this or too that. And so uh, that was really the purpose. It was less of a get in shape fitness program. It was really a vehicle for changing your mindset and really uh, capitalizing on a very powerful uh, resource. Yeah, I love that. You know, I mean, as you're talking, I was getting a bit goose pimply, actually, because I am. Um... <laughs> Yeah, you know, because everything you're saying, I 100% agree with, you know, I feel, I feel um, so aligned with with what you're saying. I mean, I know myself, if I'm, you know, I get my best ideas when I'm on a run or, you know, whatever, or it might be raining outside, pitch dark. And but when I cut, you know, I think, no, I've done it. I come back, I'm energized. I've got my, you know, myself, I've got de-stressed or whatever it may be. And if I don't exercise, I just don't feel on my game. Um, mm -hmm. it's become but it, it's the habit isn't it it's the continual it becomes part and parcel of who you are almost part of your identity and that's so incredibly powerful I think it's wonderful what you're doing to to bring your whole self and your own personal experience to how you're helping people now it just absolutely shines it really does it's fabulous I love it yeah, yeah I think so I think I think in my you know it's so funny. I haven't talked about the eating disorder in so 
long, but um, using, you know, I overexercised at that time. That was a part of what you did, right? And you got to look at blah, blah, blah. And so exercise in even then, even though I loved it, it also had a little bit of negative connotations, but it did become, become a part of my identity. And it was something that I, I knew I needed, but I always did come up with my best ideas. Just like you said, you could sit there all day, you know, and then you get up and you go do something. And it's like, ah, figured it out. And that's not a mistake. That is a lot of what is happening in your brain and in your uh, nervous system that allows that to happen. So it's really like, okay, well, let's use that. Let's harness that and, and, uh, and be intentional about it. So sometimes I'll exercise just for the sake of exercising because it's fun and I like it. And sometimes, well, now more so I'll do modicize. I feel like, oh, it's just such a valuable time to actually use. So it's hard for me not to think about things or create things when I'm exercising. But uh, one of the unexpected things that was not a goal, but a, a great sort of uh, thing that came out of it was people who don't like to exercise actually like modicize because you're not thinking about exercise. You're thinking about something that you really want. You're being, you know, guided to like visualize what would it feel like if you succeeded in that? Like what, who's around you? What are you doing? You know, and all of a sudden your brain is like, Ooh, that feels good. And you know, you've already done all of this stuff. You've, you've exercised for five or 10 minutes already, you know, and then we go through the rest of the process and, and it kind of goes by and you're, distracted, if you will, or, you know, I don't like to think of it as just a distraction. It's more of a creation, but your mind is focused on something that's really positive and uh, useful and effective uh, that you want. And, and so by the end of it, you're like, wow, I just got a whole workout and I've got a great idea. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a win-win, right? It's efficient. <laughs> efficient Amazing. I love it. So Sonia, you know, in terms of sort of the next phase for you, um, you've got a lot going on, you know, you're a business owner, a business leader, you're helping lots of other people, you've got that great acting career that you that you've had for, for many, many years. Where where will your focus be, do you think, over the, you know, over the next kind of couple of years? I would like to expand Modicize. I think that was very much the purpose of the book because it is different, right? It doesn't really exist out there. Uh, and sometimes it's a, a concept that people are like, wait a second, what? <laughs> you know? How do you do that? And so I, that was one of the reasons why I felt like a book would really help people. And so it explains the process. In there, I do what I call Modi minutes. And so each mindset has a one exercise. So it's not like a full exercise class, but there's a QR code that takes you to a video. So you get to sort of have that experience of that mind body uh, experience. And, um, but I would love to really take that process and expand it and, and move it into, I've done work with businesses and teams and uh, and I, I love working with entrepreneurs. I think that's just such a fun group of people because they really understand the holistic nature. Like every part of your life is connected to your business and your success. And so um, I, I would that's that's a big goal for me over the next couple of years. 
Oh, fantastic. I can't wait to see where, where you take it, actually, Sonia. I think it's going to be a really exciting journey ahead for you. Um, and, and on the acting side, um, is that is that a sort of a, a part of your career that you've enjoyed and now are, are sort of moving on from? Or would you see yourself back on stage, back on, you know, the TV um, over the over the future months to come or years to come? So I did do a movie right before the strike, literally. Uh, the strike was like four days after the movie. <laughs> so I was like, phew. Um, I made it through that. It's called Gretzky's Office. Uh, it's a, actually women's ice hockey. I'm a mom of uh, my daughter who wants to try to make it as a as an ice hockey uh, professional player. And uh, But that's that should be coming out sometime in the summer. I'll know more about that in the upcoming months. But that, and I'm also, I have a pretty small part, but it's in a really awesome series that's going to be coming out on Netflix in May, which I'm not apparently allowed to talk about yet. So uh, <laughs> you have to stay tuned, follow me and I'll tell you when it's coming. But I, I am... I am looking, um, I, I still keep the doors open. I don't pursue it as heavily as I, I do because there's only so many hours in a day. One of the things I am looking to also potentially, what I would love to do is I would love to host a show too. I think that would be really, really fun. So I'm kind of exploring that uh, and seeing if uh, that's in in the cards, I'm trying to attract that. <laughs> well, listen, you're not sure about I'm not sure of opportunities, Sonia, that is for sure. So, you know, it's uh, it's which ones you pick, isn't it? That's the key. How do you how do you choose uh, when you've got a lot of different exciting opportunities on your on, you know, on the horizon? It's I think it's I think it's great. Um, and, and Sonia, you know, you'll have had loads of advice over the years, right? I'm sure and you from those early years growing up with your strong Norwegian mum. Um, you know, and your sisters, etc., right the way through to today, you know, with, with your husband or friends or people around you today in the business world. Any standout pieces of advice that have kind of stood you in good stead over the years, would you say? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was thinking of my mom because uh, I think it came more out of frustration, but it actually is kind of ironic because it really led to where I am now. But she was at one point, because I was really into fitness, and she was like, if you exercise your mind as much as your body, you'd be a very balanced person. <laughs> I joke about it. She, she used to hate when I said that. She's like, did I really say that? I'm like, it's okay, mom. I actually created a program that is exactly a balance of mind and body. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So I think that's kind of funny, but uh, in some ways there was some tremendous wisdom in it, you know, yeah. of uh, we can overthink ourselves to death, you know, and it can really get in our own way. And we can, we can also do the same on the physical side where we can become too uh, obsessed on that. And when we really, when we pull them together, and of course, you know, I really love this sort of soulful side and the, and the adding in spirit, if you will, because I think that's a, an important component as well. Uh, I think it will really help you find your alignment in your clarity and it will get you to your best self mm, yeah how funny though that that word, <laughs> Isn't the, word, it? 
mom. I mean, talk about, you know, fast forwarding her visualization and here you are today. You know, I think that's wonderful. That's that's great. But uh, like you say, lots of wisdom in, in that um, that comment. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and Sonia, you know, you've got a huge amount going on. It's been an exciting year and, you know, there's a lot, a lot happening in your world. If you were to describe this year in one word, can you pick a word and, and why that would be? So I, 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 I hate, I don't want to borrow from your title, but I actually feel like for me, this was a year of bold. Um, writing a book was really hard for me that was not a natural thing it's not like oh I can't wait to sit down and write a book you know and and I I realized how vulnerable that is you know I've I've I speak, I've acted. So it seems like all that vulnerability would be so easy, but somehow putting it all in a book in print, you know, you're like, oh my goodness, this is real. Like, and anybody could read it and hold it against you for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, there's no deleting it. Um, and so I felt, yeah, that was, it took a, it took a lot. That was a bit of a process in the decision to really really make it happen because the book has been in the works there were a number it was actually supposed to come out in 2020 <laughs> um and instead it got rewritten for the better i think that was a, a good move but uh it's been hanging and and i've found myself along the way having to use my own title of what if it were easy you know what would you do and that really i don't know how much time i have on that one but i just real briefly with my husband he 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 um, had a first look deal in his business and he was fired and he had come out and I was, we did not expect that. And we just had my daughter and we had this place in New York. It was like, Oh my God. And, uh, and he was freaking out and he was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And we're trying to brainstorm. And, and he was just going into this. It's impossible. It's impossible. And he had this belief he had to earn a million dollars and that was going to set us free. I don't know. It was his belief. And he's like, it's impossible for anyone to earn that in this business. And I'm like, well, somebody's done it. It's obviously possible. And he's like, no, 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 it's impossible. And literally I was just like, well, what if it were easy? You know? And he was like, it's not, you know, the entertainment business, it's not. And I'm like, I know, but what if it were? And, and in that moment, a little sarcastically, he was just like, well, if it were easy, I would probably start my own business. And then we both stopped because that had not ever been on the table. And the next day he started his own production company one year later, he made a million dollars. <laughs> and so I believe the the what if it were easy was really a lot of what can help you in your bold. But this year, that was the question. What was it? It was bold because it felt hard and it felt vulnerable almost the entire year. And then, uh, you know, now that I'm going out and speaking about it, it's been a lot more fun. But the whole year, it's been a lot of like, okay, what if it were easy? What would I do? Okay, I would do this. <laughs> I love that. That's such a great, I love that. That's a, a great choice of word. Bold. Love it. <laughs> but no, I do. Be bold. It really does pay off. <laughs> yes. See, see, anything's possible, right? No limits. Absolutely no, no limits. And I love that. What if it were easy? I, I'm, that's fantastic. I, I, such a simple thing to, to say. Life-changing. It can be. And it's not that it is easy, right? It's not this Pollyanna belief of like, oh, it's just going to be easy. It's not. It's really about opening your heart and opening your minds to what if it were? What what would you do? What is possible? And it really does get to your core. It's 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 a very it's very interesting. And so 
yeah, use it, try it. <laughs> I will, I will definitely. I will keep you posted on on how Good. that changes my world. That's uh, that's fantastic. And Sonia, you know the podcast, Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Um, so three Bs. When you hear that, what does it mean to you? Oh, I love that title. When I heard that was the title of this podcast, I'm like, I love this person already. I, <laughs> it's like, I. I really, I believe it takes bold and it takes bravery. You know, people often say, oh, I'm not confident. And I'm like, don't worry about confidence, have courage or bravery because the bravery will get you to confidence. And so that's where the focus can be. And then you will be brilliant. And I, in every fiber of my being, I so believe everybody has something brilliant everybody has something unique and special to share and it really is about being bold being brave so that your brilliance can shine and I love that I love 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 that whole title and all three of those words and I think it's just a tremendous mantra for anybody out there to take with them yeah fantastic oh my gosh Sonia that's that's such a beautiful way to, to close the podcast. But honestly, brave, bold, brilliant all the way over in America. Thank you so much for joining. It's been a really, really valuable conversation. And I wish you so much success with everything that you've got coming down the line. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.